So if you would, turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And um, verses 8 through 20. I keep reaching for my chair because the last however many weeks that I taught here, I had a chair to sit down in. And now it just feels different to not have that here. I may need that before I get done today. I don't know. Uh, maybe not, but but I may, I may. Um, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. A little bit of a lengthy reading, so bear with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Focusing on verse number 10, the angel said to them, fear not, behold I bring you tidings. Of great joy. I bring you a message. I've got a message to deliver to you. A message of great joy, which shall be to all people. And I want to I want to preach or teach this morning from this thought a message. For mankind, a message for mankind. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us today and especially ask Him to give me the strength that I need? We need the touch of God right now. Lord
Jesus' name, could we worship him one more time, everybody? Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, we need his touch. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you. You may be seated today. It is not unusual in the scripture to read of God speaking, of God delivering messages. In fact, even the book of Hebrews alludes to the fact that God in sundry times and in diverse ways spoke to his people. God many times in many different methods, spoke a message. But I'm telling you that there was never a message as important as this one. When God spoke, in fact, we can go all the way back, Brother Goff, all the way back to the Garden of Eden and find God speaking. God spoke to Adam. He gave Adam a message. But he spoke to an individual. We find where God would later speak to Abraham. Again, he spoke to an individual. We can find where God gave messages to the prophets. But those messages were to Israel as a nation. But in this message that we have read in our text, God is not just speaking to an individual or to a nation. I want you to listen again as the angel describes to whom this message was addressed. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Which shall be to all people. These great tidings were not just for one individual. This was not intended to just be a message to the shepherds. But this was a message for all the world. Well, hallelujah. Now, I don't know. I don't know everything that God spoke to Adam. I'm sure there were more conversations than what are recorded in Genesis. I do know that when God talked to Adam, he did include some holiness standards. He really did. He did include some separations. There's something you're not supposed to touch, Adam. I don't know everything else that God may have said in all of the conversations they had. I don't know every conversation that God had with his friend Abraham. Though we know bits and pieces of those conversations, I'm sure that the Bible doesn't tell us everything that was said. I, I'm not certainly not going to try to take the time today to address every message 
that God gave to the nation of Israel through his prophets, pleading, rebuking, making promises to them. But what I do want to point out to you today is that here on this hillside in Bethlehem, God spoke not just to a man, but to mankind. He spoke not just to a nation, but to the entire world. This is to be great tidings. Amen. Good tidings of great joy to, the, to all people. Well, praise God. This makes this message significant. Hallelujah. This makes this message stand out from everything that we've read up until this point. Throughout the Old Testament, nothing compares to a message God gives and announces, this is for everybody. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for my chosen ones. But this is for all people, Jew and Gentile, male and female, bond and free. This message is for the entire world. Hallelujah. Now, as I have taught so many times, one of the important rules of Bible interpretation is what we call the principle of first mention. That the first time that you read something in the scriptures, God generally gives you some detail or some information that is crucial for you to know about that subject. And so when you really want to understand a, a subject, if you're, if you're wanting to be a student of the Scripture, you really want to understand a subject, the best thing you can do is to find out where's the first place this subject is mentioned. And begin to look at that and examine that and see if there are any details there that are going to be important in this study. Now, the example I like to use is creation. The Bible talks about God creating the earth throughout the Scripture. It's, it's Old and New Testament. There are many references to the fact that God created the world. There are even references to the fact that He did it in six days and rested on the seventh. But there's only one place where God specifically tells us what He did on which day, and that's the first time Creation is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. So there we find details that we may never find anywhere else. In fact, we don't find them anywhere else in the Scripture. It doesn't change the fact that this is true. Are you with me today? Now, because this is a unique message, the first message that God officially says is to all people. Now, he referenced all people in time past. He made promises that would affect all people in time past. But now he's delivering a message that he says, this is addressed to all people. That makes this significant. And therefore, I think it's worth examining this message to see what details we can glean out of this message Hallelujah. That might mean something to us. The first thing that I want to point out to you, let's go back again. This is Bible study time. I know we've been in revival. We've had an evangelist. 
you've gotten used to just closing your Bible and looking on the wall, but we're back to old-fashioned Bible study now. So get your Bibles and, uh, and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be dealing with these verses today. We're going to be examining these verses. So Luke chapter 2, read for me verses 8 through 10. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, here's what I want to point out to you, that when God got ready to deliver a message to the entire world, do you notice to whom he spoke? There were dwelling, read that again, verse 8. And there were in the same there country shepherds. There were in the same country shepherds. Shepherds. Now let's think about that for just a moment. God has a highly important message to deliver. A message that is going to impact the entire world. He could have delivered this message to the Levites. They were the religious elite. He could have spoken to the Sanhedrin. Right? I mean, after all, this is a religious message. It involves the Messiah they've been saying they're looking for all their lives. He could have gone to the Levites, to the, to the Sanhedrin. He could have spoken to the religious leaders of the day had he wanted to do that. Why didn't he? Well... Perhaps part of it is because he knew they were going to ultimately reject him. You know, he could have spoken to King Herod. Right? He could have chosen to have an angel visit Herod. I mean, angels were visiting a lot of folks during these days. They visited the shepherds. They visited Zacharias. They visited Mary, Joseph. I mean, angels are appearing now. An angel could have appeared at Herod's palace and delivered the message to him. And wow, wouldn't that have been impactful to make a statement that the kingdom that's coming is greater than your kingdom? That the ruler who's going to come is far more powerful than you are, Herod. But he didn't do that. And again, maybe it's because he knew that Herod would not only reject him, but seek to destroy him. You know, it was Herod who decided to kill all the babies two years old and under. But what about just getting together with just the common people that the poor masses. I mean, when his ministry began, he spent a lot of time meeting with them, helping them, feeding them, right? They, they accepted him by and large. Why not appear to them? Why not appear to the sick? He spent much of his ministry healing them, going to where they were. 
laying his hands on them, speaking words of healing to them. Why not appear to them with this message? He chose deliberately to give this message to a group of shepherds. And I submit to you today it was not accidental that God chose them to bear the greatest message ever given to the world. Because I contend that's the way that God always sends His important message. See, God was sending a message in the way He sent the message. He delivered it to the shepherds. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm here to tell you today that when God's got a message to deliver to mankind, He's going to speak to your shepherd. God's going to speak to the one that's watching over your flock. This is why you can't just sit at home and have religion on your own. You need a pastor in your life. You need a shepherd to watch over you. It's no mistake that God calls us his flock. Amen. The sheep of his pasture. Do you understand that sheep have absolutely no defense? They are the one animal on earth that has no way of defending themselves. The only defense they've got is if they've got a shepherd. That's why you need to be a part of the church. That's why you don't need to be out here on your own. That's why you need your brothers and sisters. You've got to have a shepherd. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you Take overseers. Take heed to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. To feed the church of to God. To feed the church of God. Which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Feed the flock of Feed God, the flock of God, which is among you. Yes, taking the oversight thereof, right? Not by constraint, right? But willingly, right. not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. I'm here to tell you, my friend. Yes, you can read the Bible for yourself. Yes, you should read the Bible for yourself. But the Scripture says you're going to be fed by your shepherd. You're not going to be fed by some TV preacher. You're not going to be fed by Holy Ghost radio. When God wants the sh the, the, the the flock. Fed, he's going to give the feed to the shepherd. God wants that accountability in our lives. God wants that submission in our lives. First Peter chapter 5 verse 3. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples being to the examples flock. examples to the flock. Now, I don't know if you noticed in these three scriptures, in, in Acts 20, 28, he said, take heed to the flock. In 1 Peter 5 and 2, feed the flock. In 1 Peter 5 and 3, be an example to the flock. I'm telling you that your pastor is the shepherd over this flock. Hallelujah. And when God has got a message to deliver to you, it's going to come to your shepherd. Well, praise God. I'm not here to build myself up. I think this church knows I've got a shepherd in my life. I don't make any major decisions without running it by my shepherd. In fact, he called me one day. It's been a few years back, but he called me one day because a rumor was circulating. I talked to the church about this when it happened. A rumor was circulating. I was getting ready to resign the church. And 
Rumors were going throughout Pentecost, and my shepherd called me, and he said, I just got to ask you directly. He said, I've been getting all kinds of text messages that you'd resign the church or that you were getting ready to and turning it over to somebody else. I said, Bishop, let me tell you something. You'd be the first to know if that were the case. He said, I knew that, but I had to hear it from your own voice just so I could tell all the naysayers. I'm telling you, there's not any major decisions made in my life that I don't run it by my shepherd. He is still watching over my soul. Hallelujah. I'm not here glorifying myself. I'm just telling you the way it works in God's kingdom. The worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. You hear what this preacher is telling you right now. The worst thing you can do is to become isolated from the rest of the flock. You're not going to survive spiritually when you're off here by yourself. What you need is a shepherd watching over you. You need a shepherd that's going to go to war for your soul. Well, help me, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You know, we just concluded... Prior to revival, a series of study on the seven churches of Asia. And perhaps you noticed that at no time did God ever tell John, write to an individual in the church. But he always addressed the message for the church to the messenger that was over that church. Even though there were individuals that needed to be addressed, the message went to the pastor. I've pointed out to you before that when God went to the trouble, if you please, of, of allowing an angel to appear to Cornelius, the angel did not tell Cornelius, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost. The angel told Cornelius, you need to go find a shepherd. He's going to tell you what you need to do. The angel couldn't tell him. The angel couldn't deliver the gospel. It had to come from a shepherd. When God knocked Apostle Paul, uh, who was then Saul of Tarsus, to the ground and blinded him, the Lord himself spoke from heaven. Jesus could have said to Saul, you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. But instead he said, go find Ananias. Saul, you need a shepherd. You're not going to become what you need to be without the voice of a shepherd in your life. God has a message for the world or for your world. You can count on him to tell it to the shepherd. And then it's the shepherd's responsibility to relay the message. And that's exactly what these first shepherds did. Read for me verses 17 and 18 from Luke chapter 2. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told they, them. They did what? Made known abroad. The saying which was told I'm them. telling you these shepherds who had been used to tending flock all of a sudden became itinerant preachers. They went around everywhere saying, hey, I want to tell you there is a, a, a message. There are good tidings of great joy that's coming to all people. They shared the message God had delivered it to them. Amen. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard, it, that heard it wondered at, wondered those, things at those things which were that told, were told them, them by, by the, the shepherd. shepherd. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that the Bible says they wondered at it. It doesn't say they all accepted it or they all believed it. And people don't always accept the word of the shepherd. But that's not the shepherd's problem. The shepherd's problem is just deliver the message. And then it's in your hands what you're going to do with it from there. 
Well, hallelujah. So God was delivering a message in the way he delivered the message. But let's look at the message itself. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Let's see what this message entails. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Now, I'll come back to glory to God in a few moments, but I want to focus on this peace and goodwill toward men. I'm going to tell you, God's message always has the intended result of bringing peace. It doesn't always bring peace in the beginning. Sometimes it causes a little conflict. Sometimes it may bring a little division. Sometimes it may cause a little hurt in the heart. Sometimes you may feel like somebody's stepping on your toes. But understand this, it's never to destroy you. And it's never to hurt you. And it's never to harm you. But God's intent when he delivers a message to you is to bring about peace. That's what God wants in your life. You'll follow through on the message that God gives you. It will result in peace. In fact, you know, all across America and really around the world, a verse of Scripture that's being quoted and referenced during Christmas time. And I tell those guys in Africa when I go there and I'm teaching on the Godhead, I said, you guys use this verse of Scripture all the time and don't even know what you're reading. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 for unto us unto a us child is born. Child is born. Unto us a unto son us is given. A son is given. And the government, the government shall, be shall be upon his, his shoulder. shoulder. And his, his name shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty, Mighty God, God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince, the of, Prince peace. of Peace. Amen. I heard a man one time, uh, he, he preached a message. He said, God's first name is Wonderful. Well, if that's the case, I would say God's last name is peace. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, that's what he came to bring. That's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to end the confusion. He wants to end the turmoil. And if you're living in confusion and you're living in turmoil, I'm telling you what you need is a fresh visitation of the Prince of Peace. You need to get back to the message and the messenger and let God bring peace into your heart and life. Oh, praise God. You know, in all of my reading and research, and, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be using this tonight, so I can tell you now, but I ran across some notes, and I wish I'd have written down what year it was. I don't know what year it was. But, but somewhere in the history of this city, there was a conflict that arose in our city offices because somebody had set up a nativity set on their desk in the city offices. And it created great conflict, you know, that was offensive to non-Christians. Now, I, I'm trying to be sweet today. This is my Christmas message. One of my Christmas messages. I'm trying to be sweet. But if you're so offended by Christmas, then please don't accept any Christmas bonuses. If you're so offended by Christmas, then please don't take any time off during Christmas. 
Don't accept a paid holiday if you're against the holiday. Well, seems like to me if you're going to let them pay you for a day off in honor of a holiday that you believe is wrong, you wouldn't accept that pay. If you really believe it's pagan, Well, that's just food for thought. I just thought I'd throw that in there. That didn't cost you anything, praise God. But they were having this feud over, and again, I wish I'd have written down the notes there. They were having this feud over, and, and I made note, Brother Goff, what was interesting was during the same time that this big feud was going on in our city offices, right across the street in the jail, an inmate took his own life. And I made note of how sad it was that all of this fussing and fuming was going on about a simple nativity set while somebody was crying out for help not even a block away. I'm going to tell you something. The real purpose of this message, I'm talking about the message delivered to the shepherds in Bethlehem is that God intends to bring peace. And that's something that nobody should be arguing about. Nobody should be offended at a message of peace. Well, hallelujah. But I wonder how often we get distracted with, as Brother Hilton said this morning, the hustle and bustle of Christmas we get so distracted by all of that that we ignore the prince of peace. Now that's not all that's in this message. Let's, let's look verses 11 and 12. Luke chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, now I want you to notice this. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, which was Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign, you'll find the babe. What I'm telling you is this message pointed them in the direction of Christ. God's message always points men to Christ. It will never push them away from Him. God's message never makes men more carnal. It only makes them more spiritual, if they'll heed it. Well, praise God. There are a lot of messages being proclaimed from a lot of pulpits today. I'm telling you that the message of tolerance has become the major theme of our day. Acceptance. Tolerance. But the amazing thing is, none of this so-called tolerance is drawing anybody closer to God. It's causing them to become more unlike Him. 
This message of inclusion is not drawing people closer to the Christ child. It's pushing them further away from him. And let me say on the other hand, church, I just want to remind you, it's been a while since I've been able to be in the pulpit and just be pastor. But let me just tell you something, just in case you're wondering. Doctrine and holiness don't drive people away from God. If they're presented in the right way, it never drives anybody away from God. It will always draw the hungry heart to God. But these, these messages of let's include everybody, let's, let's tolerate everybody, let's put up with everybody, those kinds of messages push people away from God. I'm here to tell you there are some things God doesn't tolerate. Read for me 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, Be not deceived. Neither, fornicators, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, idolaters, nor, adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor, effeminate, nor, abusers, nor abusers of themselves, of themselves with, mankind, with mankind, nor thieves, nor, thieves, nor, covetous, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor, drunkards, nor, revilers, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit, inherit the, kingdom the kingdom of God. God. You know what that says in a nutshell? God doesn't tolerate these things. God's not tolerant of these things. God is not tolerant of homosexuality. God's not tolerant, amen, of, of, of adultery. God's not tolerant of carnality. There are things God does not tolerate, and there are some things God will not include. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no, wise, shall in no wise enter into, enter it, into it anything, anything that, defileth, that defileth, neither whatsoever, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, work abomination, or maketh, or maketh, a, maketh lie, a lie, but they, but which, they are which are written in the, the Lamb's book, book of life. life. I'm telling you, there are some things God won't include. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not here to preach a message of inclusion and tolerance. That's the world's message, but it drives people away from God. It lets them continue in their sin. I'm not here to slap anybody with their sin, but I am here to confront them because that's what God called me to do. I've got to try to get people to repent of their sin. Not just keep living the way they've been living. That goes for everybody. That goes for every individual. I don't care what their so-called sexual orientation may be. I'm here to tell you everybody has got to make it right with God. Because there are some things God does not tolerate and some things God will not include. And our message should be one just like the original Christmas message that points men toward Jesus Christ. John 12 and 32, Jesus said this, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, I know, I know that this verse, some of you may never have heard me explain this, this verse actually is talking about the cross. You, if you just keep reading, he says very clearly that he was speaking of the death by which he should die. If I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men unto me. 
But I do believe there's a principle here that we can apply. After he has gone to the cross, now it's our job to lift him up again. Not on the cross, but to lift him up. As the angel said, glory to God in the highest. That's where that part of the message comes in. We got we to gotta give God the glory. Listen, the reason why we come to church, we come to give God glory. We come to give God praise. We come to lift God up because if we'll lift him up, he'll draw men to him. You know what's going to bring men? It's going to be the presence of God. And you know what brings the presence of God? He inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, hear me, saints of God. When we start encouraging you to worship, we're not just trying to get a response out of you to make ourselves feel good. We're trying to get you to do what the Bible wants you to do, to lift him up. Because if you'll lift him up, we'll start feeling him like we felt him around here today. And when we feel him like this, it starts stirring the hearts of sinners. Oh, God, I'm telling you, we got to get back to that message that lifts him up. I spoke to our ministerial class the other night how far we've gotten off track in allowing preaching to really become a form of entertainment. And unfortunately, many preachers are just as guilty as the people because they try to make it entertainment. They want to entertain the folks. They want, they want to get some kind of a, of a cheer from the people. So they can have the applause of men and their pats on the back when they're done. But that's not what it's all about. And I'm going to tell you, there ought to be something that just wells up in our heart when we walk into the house of God. We ought to lay all of our troubles outside. We ought not bring them through the door. We ought to say, you know, for a little while, this is a sanctuary. I'm going to be free from my problems. I'm going to be free from my worries. I'm going to forget about everything that's facing me right now, and I'm just going to take some time to lift Jesus up. I'm going to take some time, amen, to, to, to magnify him so that his spirit can begin to move. You see, here's what he said in John 6 and 44. No man can, no come, man unto, can come, come to me, me except, except the, Father, the Father, which has sent which me has to sent draw me him. Draws him. And I will raise him up I'm at the last day. I'm telling you, the only way people can come is if the Spirit starts drawing them. It's our responsibility to get the Spirit moving. It's our job to get in here and spend time praying before the service begins. And then spend time worshiping when the service commences. It's our job to get the Spirit of the Lord moving in our midst so that that spirit can draw men to an old-fashioned altar. God's message was, is, and always will be. Look to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, uh -huh. looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author, the author and, finisher and the finisher of our faith. Of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before yes. him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm telling you, our message has got to be, look to Jesus. Don't look at me. Amen. I don't want God looking at our singers. I thank God for our musicians. Thank God for our singers. Thank God, amen, for, for all. But I, I don't want anybody to become the focus of what's going on. I want Jesus to be the focus. I want people to look to him. I want people to seek after him. I want to make him the centermost point of every service that we have. And if we do God, God will start drawing men to him. Amen. I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today. In spite of the fact, I said a while ago, there are things God won't tolerate. There are things God won't include, and that's very true. Scripture's clear, and I proved it to you. But that doesn't mean that we are without hope. Amen. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this. If we confess our if sins, we'll confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And just to our forgive sins. us our sins. And to cleanse, and us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. We read 9 and 10 a while ago. I want to go back and read those again, but I want to add one more verse to it. Amen. Read for me. Know ye not know ye that not. The, unrighteous the unrighteous shall not inherit, not the, kingdom inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, Be not deceived. Neither, fornicators, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And that sounds bad, but... And such, such were, were some of you. Some of you. But, ye but are you are washed. But, ye but are you are sanctified. But you are justified, you are justified in the name of the Lord the Jesus. In the name of our Lord and Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. And by the Spirit of our God. Amen. I'm telling you, there are things God won't include. There are things God won't tolerate. But I tell you what he will do. He's faithful and just to forgive us. He's faithful and just to erase it from our record. And he'll accept us then. He'll take us in then. Amen. He'll wash us. He'll cleanse us. He'll fill us with His Spirit. Oh, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm, 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 I'm done. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you. Amen. If you're listening online today, maybe I'm speaking to somebody. It doesn't matter. What you're involved in right now doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It's true that God won't tolerate some things and heaven will not include some people. But I'm telling you, the door is open for you. You can be washed and sanctified and justified. And Peter tells us how to do it in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 now when they heard this, now when they heard this, they, they were, were pricked, pricked in their, their heart, heart and said unto Peter, Peter and to the rest, of the, rest of the apostles, men and brethren, men and brethren what, what shall, we, shall do? we do? Then Peter said unto then them, Peter said unto them, Repent, repent, and be baptized, and be baptized, every one, every of, you one of you, in the name, in of, the Jesus name Christ, of Jesus Christ, for the remission, for the of, remission sins, of sins, and ye shall, and ye shall receive, receive the gift, the gift of, the Holy Ghost. of the Holy Ghost. And the, it's not just for the elite. It's not just for the religious, but the promise is unto you, unto you and, and to your, your children, children and to all, and that, to are all that are afar off, even as many, even as as 
the Lord our, as God, the Lord shall our call. God shall call. That includes you, my friend. That includes everybody under the sound of my voice. I'm telling you, God has made provision. That's what that message on the hillside was all about. There is indeed good tidings of great joy for all people. It's for all people. It's for the entire world. Oh, let's lift our hands and talk to him right now.